Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Nothing changes unless we change it. Nothing changes. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Getting It Out Podcast. That was Heavy is the Head. 
They're from Richmond, Virginia. That song is called Dirty Feet. Call it metalcore, call it hardcore, call it metallic hardcore, call it several different things. Doesn't matter to me. Kind of all means the same. Anyway, heavy, hard, fast, fun, mashi, maybe. Up to you, I guess, what you do when you listen to this music. Some people just choose to sit and relax. Some people choose to throw themselves in the walls. I don't know. Do whatever you want when you listen to Heavy is the Head. Just make sure you enjoy it, as I'm sure you just did. That song is a single they've currently got out there. I don't know if it's part of a new release, but we'll see in the very near future. If you want to keep up on more things that have to do with the band, then please go to gettingitout.net. See what's going on. I believe they just announced a tour. You go find that out for yourself, though. Look for him coming to a town near you in the very near future, probably into the winter. Anyway, this episode features an interview with Dying Wish vocalist Emma Boster. We're talking about their new record, Symptoms of Survival, and their current and upcoming tour dates, and a little bit of basketball. So let's get into that. But first, Hot Zone. I said this at the end of the last episode featuring the interview with Scotty Heath of Tank Crimes Records. So I want to put it right here as well. So I don't forget uh, if you want free advertising on gettingitout.net for the rest of the year, hit me up, send me some banners. I'll put them up there. Um, why? Because I just want to give it away for the rest of the year. And uh, it looks better when there's lots of new ads up there. So you can currently go there and check out what I'm advertising or you can just Hit me up for the banner sizes. Send me something. We'll link your page. And for the rest of 2023, gettingitout.net will advertise your band, your label, your, I don't know, um, soap company, whatever you want. Just send it to me. Okay. Into business. This episode, as I mentioned, features an interview with Emma of Dying Wish, the third band on its deathbed that I've interviewed this year. Of course, the others being Troy Core Legends, Dying Breed, Baltimore Legends, Dying Fetus, and now Portland, New Legends. Is that a thing? Can you be a new legend? Dying Wish. But don't worry, it's not as morbid as it seems. These people are alive and well, and some would say thriving. Or at least that's the case for Dying Wish. They just released a new album, Symptoms of Survival. And let me tell you about survival. I know all about it. On Sunday evening, I survived a near comeback by the Indiana Pacers against the Philadelphia 76ers on the strength of a Tyrese Maxi 50 burger. I don't know why we say burger. I don't know where that came from, but we do it. It's done. It's something that's in the lexicon. Anyway, uh, I went to my annual Sixers game uh, with my beautiful wife and we sat and watched the Philadelphia 76ers demolish the idiotic Indiana Pacers. They will play again tonight, actually. But they, uh, it, was, it was a great game. Great game in the fact that mostly the Sixers blew them out. But there was a point where the Pacers came back and were leading by one. And then Tyrese Maxey took us home with 50 points for the first time in his career. Very cool thing to be in attendance for. Continues my streak, our streak of picking great games to attend. Last year was the ladder game, the honest ladder game. 
I've never seen them lose. Every time I've gone to watch the 76ers play in person, they have won. So I need to go to every game from now on. Why is this relevant? It's not. I just like talking about basketball to you. And with the Sixers being atop the Eastern Conference at eight and one, I'm taking advantage of it because any reasonable sports fan knows that this ain't going to last. So I'm riding the wave, baby. I'm rekindling the fire that exists inside me to have an NBA podcast. Yeah. What does that mean? Well, I've talked about this before. It would be relevant to getting it out podcast. I was thinking lately of names for it. I think I got a good one. I do believe I'm going to go with it. Uh, I just need to have people on to talk about the NBA basketball with. And over the years, I've met a few people doing this who have an interest in the sport as well. So I think I can make it work and I might, but I might not also. But right now it's in my head again. Anyway, a person who does like the NBA, as I found out as we were discussing their band, is Emma of Dying Wish. They are currently out on tour, headlining the Come and Be Killed tour with support from Boundaries, Foreign Hands, and Roman Candle. That tour is currently uh, somewhere in the Northeast. You can find them maybe in Pittsburgh tonight, maybe in Columbus, Ohio tomorrow, maybe in Detroit on Thursday, and definitely Chicago, Illinois on Friday Though that show is sold out, so you can't go unless you got a ticket. Anyway, that tour continues through the end of the month, so be sure to catch them if you want, if you can, if you're willing, and if you can't and don't want to, then I suggest you just sit at home and listen to their new album, Symptoms of Survival, which is out now on Sharp Tone Records. It dropped a couple days ago, a couple weeks ago, I guess now. And if you like anything you might consider metalcore, this record is for you. We're going to talk all about all of these things in just a second. But first, you know the drill. You got to listen to a track for the new record. This one is called Path to Your Grave and then my conversation with Emma. Thank 
what the hell is going on with Dying Wish? <laughs> so much. Um, it's it's crazy. Like today, we just announced that we're playing Download Festival in the UK next year, which is like the biggest rock fest yeah, in the UK, and it's like their Coachella essentially. Mm-hmm. And I forgot about it until like five minutes before, and then I like didn't know what to think of like to write a caption because I just feel so like overwhelmed by like how crazy life is right now but yeah we just did a cruise that was uh four days with lamb of god and hate breed and shadows fall and like so many um crazy bands and now we're yesterday was day one of our headliner with um boundaries foreign hands and roman candles so we're embarking on a month long journey with them and so yeah it's just uh it's 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 a lot we you know obviously record and a video came out yesterday and you know we have another announcement tomorrow and it's just like so overwhelming but really awesome at the same time feels like everything's finally coming full circle yeah 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 i can i can see it so it sounds like a a lot of announcements in a short span of time also with an album release a tour kickoff a fucking cruise uh but yeah download i know download's big i know that like even bands from there that's like where that, that's where they want to play. I, I forget who I was talking to on here recently. Maybe it was like Grove Street or something, but that was like their goal was to get on that stage. And uh, so that's that's very cool. You guys have been doing a lot, obviously very busy. I know it's your job. Does it feel like a job yet? Um, you know, yes. Um, I've like I kind of wrote like watch my promise die from the perspective of like having kind of this like imposter syndrome and not really feeling like I deserve to be here, here, like I could live up to the hype. But I like since, especially since we like finished the second record, I feel like such a different level of ownership over everything. Like it really does feel like it's mine and um, I'm really proud of it. And, you know, I also like, I have a lot of responsibility within the band. Like not only do I sing and, you know, write lyrics, but I like, manage our social media and I do press and I, you know, manage our like merch inventory and when we're on tour and like all of this stuff. So definitely feels like a job sometimes. Um, I'm looking forward to the point where we can start hiring more people and I can just like (laughs) kind of, you know, be an artist. But until then, I've always been really hands-on like with everything in this band. So it's, it's something that I enjoy nonetheless. Sure. Yeah. I'd imagine. It seems like a pipe dream, but it's total a realistic uh, goal. It is. Yeah. And I, um, my partner also plays music, but he's been doing it for a long, long time. And so it's Mm -hmm. nice to be able to see like, oh, when you do this for almost two decades, like it pays off and you can, you know, you can have a mortgage and, you know, like things like that. And so um, just because, you know, I started this band when I was 23. And so you know, we're still pretty young. I'm 29 now, but like, you know, we didn't, we're, we're still getting to the point where like, you know, we're still having to grind pretty hard, but I'm looking forward to the luxuries for sure. Yeah. Yeah. For now, (laughs) you've got a new, new record to promote. And, uh, it seems like a, a bigger step for you guys. And I don't even mean that in, I don't it's, it's not like a big difference from your last record, but it seems like a bigger step up in overall quality. What would you say? And I know it's pretty generic, but what would you say is the biggest difference between the first LP and this one? Well, from our writing perspective, I think that the first LP, we didn't quite have the experience under our belt. We didn't really know what we were doing. 
we didn't really have, you know, a set of goals in mind. We did, but you know, we just kind of went in there and we just, we just made, made an album and it didn't really feel like we had reached a lot of our full potential at the moment for us. And then, you know, we hit it hard. And the second record from our perspective, like we were prepared and we, you know, we had the the experience of having a record under our belt done already. So it definitely was thinking it, it was much more planned and um, uh, thoughtful and meticulous. Was that last record on Sharp Tune as well, or was okay? Yeah, the the first record was on Sharp Tune as well. I'm like lifelong into the hardcore scene, right? And that's where I feel like I, I I heard of Dying Wish was from the hardcore scene. But when like you're on this label now, like Sharp Tone, which uh, is is like bigger than that, but still right. has roots there. I like that it still seems like the hardcore scene still fucking with Dying Wish. Was there any concern about alienating? that world that you, the band seemed to come up in? Um, not really. I mean, I just think that like hardcore music is so diverse right now, like with the sounds, like for example, Koyo is like essentially a pop punk band, but like hardcore still, you know, claims them. And like there's death metal bands that have hardcore roots. And so I just think that that's never really something that we'd worried about because, you know, we, we knew that, you know, we had grown up and networked in this scene for so long and like, you know, knew people who we were friends with who would, you know, back us. And also just like the fans, I think, are just excited about everything going on and how diverse the the scene is right now. Definitely more diverse now, I'd say, than ever. Early 2000s, it felt it felt pretty diverse as well. Uh, and then it got, you know, kind of morphed one, one way and then another. And now we're back. It's like a kind of full circle kind of moment, but definitely more now. Uh, but early 2000s, a lot of your sound, especially in Symptoms of Survival, reminds me of some of that stuff. A band you mentioned earlier that I hear a lot of is Shadows Fall. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if it's the, and maybe this is a strange thing to say, but I hear like a similarity in you, your vocals and Brian Fair's vocals, which maybe that's a ridiculous thing to say, but I, there's something in there. There's a tonality to it that I hear and I could be full of shit, but I think it's there. And I think that's cool. Cause I don't hear anybody else like doing that sound right now. It feels like other than them. Yeah, that's sick. I've, I've actually been compared to Mitch Lucker a few times. Um, like because of this record, like especially the highs that mm. I've done. And that's, that's a huge compliment. I mean, I don't think I have quite the scream range that Mitch Lucker had, but, um, I I enjoy comparisons like that that feel much more accurate to me than oh you sound like Candace from Walls of Jericho or like right. oh you sound like your band sounds like uh Paramore with breakdowns like you know like <laughs> incorrect <laughs> yeah. comparisons just because there's you know women involved but no I I think that's awesome Yeah no I'm sure I'm sure that's the uh the general lazy route to go. And I'm not saying I'm working harder than anybody else. So just, uh, you know, like I just heard it. I was listening today. I was like, what is, what is that? You know, but uh, I, I think I hear it. I've read at least in the Presbyterians that there's a sort of theme to the record, but maybe it's song by song. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, I think that there's an overall theme of this kind of gut-wrenching human experience whether it be from my own anecdotal personal things that I've gone through and that I write about to mental health to 
climate change to, you know, um, the inequity of power in our government and, you know, so on and so forth and war and um, the, the whole kind of vibe is very much trying to be like this enlightened it's us versus them kind of idea you know like we all can relate on all of these things and like you know trying to unify people because of our collective suffering was kind of the idea behind writing the theme on the record do you feel like uh I guess it probably hasn't been out long enough for it to really resonate with a lot of people, or at least for you to get that feedback that it has with Dying Wish fans. Maybe it has, though. I don't know. What's the feedback been in the last few days since the record has dropped? Um, I think that, I mean, the feedback has just been wild. Um, there are songs, I think that the songs that people re- like resonate with the most are songs like uh, Path to Your Grave or Paved in Sorrow, like the more personal stuff. Um, but I'm I'm excited to watch people really like dive into songs like Kiss of Judas or Symptoms of Survival, which are written more of like about like the broader spectrum of, um, you know, kind of our economic societal issues that we're dealing with. But I think that the songs that people resonate with more off the bat are the ones that, you know, they can they kind of like punch them in the in the chest a little bit, you know. Yeah, of course, the ones that make the big impact. The one to me that made the big impact, I think it's, I might get the album title wrong because I'm now I'm now that I'm thinking about it, I feel like I'm going to swap them. But it's Lost in the Fall, the one with the very, um, very catchy chorus and a lot of the melodic vocals, or is that Torn from Your Silhouette? Torn from Your Silhouette, I would say, is catchier. Um, Lost in the Fall is like, it's a very epic ending. Okay. Well, then I don't know which, which is one also I'm thinking catchy, of the top. but <laughs> either either way, they both like seem um, to to take that route with more intention, and I mean that in a positive way. Like mm-hmm. it seems like before uh, you were using the there was always the clean vocals right in the band. I mean, going back to your serration split, there was there was stuff like that there, right? So mm-hmm. so like I I know it was always there, but but now on this record, it seems like you leaned into it a little bit more. I don't know. Is am I am I right? Is that was that the idea? Yeah. Was there any intention, or was it just fuck it? This is how it ended up. Totally. Um. Really wanted to like lean into it just because it's. I just think it just adds a really special dynamic about to to who we are and the kind of music that we are making that a lot of people like aren't doing right now. I think it really just sets us apart from a lot of the other bands. Uh. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
in our genre. So not only that, but I just also love writing a good melody and a good chorus. And um, we wanted to, you know, really pay homage to like, you know, the end of heartache era of music. So it definitely was intentional. Yeah, no, I like it. I, that era. I, I totally hear it in there. Like, so maybe that's where my little comparison came from earlier as well. Um, mm-hmm. I saw, and this is, this is going to sound like I'm making a joke and I'm not, I saw that you have toured with Limp Bizkit. I was aware of it before. So I don't even know why anybody would con- continue being a band because you've already, <laughs> you've already made it. So, and <laughs> I've always said, I will end this podcast. The minute I get to talk to Fred Durst, it's over. So those are the rules that I live by. So talk about it. like you've you've done those things like that. You've been on these bigger tours, not just that one, but you know, plenty of others. And uh, but you're also doing headlining stuff, playing I'd imagine, maybe not, it depends on the venue, playing fucking plain old hardcore shows. What's that that balancing act? I don't know. Is that a is there one way? Do you want to get out of one to move into the other? Because I know there's a push-pull, you know. Not really. I think it's just Again, something that kind of sets us apart from a lot of bands in our genre is that we can do Limp Bizkit and The Devil Wears Prada and Hatebreed and Code Orange and, you know, Counterparts all and Terror all in one year. You know, we can do all of those different uh, supporting tours and, you know, it it just works for us. And I think that's cool that, you know, you can see it at these headlining shows, how many people like, you can tell, oh, like that person probably found us through right. a hate or, you know, and people will tell you, oh yeah, I saw you with Limp Biscuit or whatever. And it's like, it's always different. And so it's really cool to be able to just like appeal to all of those crowds. Like, I don't know if it's because of, I don't know what it is that makes us like special, I guess, to be able to do that. But um, rarely does it ever like not really work for us. Yeah, that's cool. And there are very few, you're right, because it is special. There are very few bands that are able to have that type of crossover. And we always use the term crossover and mean like uh, hardcore bands playing metal or metal bands playing, hard, you know, like that early, late 80s, like crossover thing. But to me, crossover is just like, you know, goes in every direction. And we see a lot now uh, in the hardcore scene or from the hardcore scene or whatever the fuck you want to call it. But uh, mm-hmm. but it's really cool it's, it's to see a band like you, you guys, Dying Wish, exemplify kind of that crossover and how it can work in many different directions awesome having, having said that when you're playing shows um and i asked this question to random bands over the years usually it's people that have come from the hardcore world uh but particularly for you guys when you have that kind of mixed crowd where some people might not be familiar with what's going to happen at a smaller like you know diy uh, hardcore show how do you feel about the you know, like crowd reaction there where you know this person might have come from somewhere else and now they just walked into this hardcore show and they're going to get <laughs> unfortunately get you know throttled possibly <laughs> like what what is that like from the stage perspective um well i think that people are kind of learning to tolerate you know other like behavior or like activities that people do at shows that they wouldn't necessarily do themselves um because I think there are bands before us that kind of like if someone likes Knocked Loose, you know, before they like us or if they like us, they probably like Knocked Loose right. and they've gone to a Knocked Loose show. And it's, you know, so I think that they get it. And, you know, there's been there's been times, but I mean, it's always been an issue 
like worrying about fights. And I would say like back in the day, you know, when you just have just a bunch of just a bunch of hardcore kids who are all on the same page, you know, you still have fights. So it's just kind of like an unavoidable thing. So, um, but you know, I think that we have a really positive energy and even though we like encourage people to like move somebody or mosh or whatever, like it's still, it's very much like, you know, fun and it's, it's positive vibe instead of just like fucking punch somebody in the face, you know? So, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hear you. All right. Yeah. That, that, that makes perfect sense. And you know, sometimes I feel like that it makes just me feel and sound like some old dude who's a little out of touch, who's not going to shows as much anymore, who just thinks it's <laughs> still going to be the way it was when I was, you know, going where everybody was just like kind of looking for the the outcast among the outcasts and to beat that person up. And maybe that's not happening anymore. And that's a, a great thing if that's the case. Yeah. I mean, it's not to say it doesn't happen. Like we we had a show recently where something like that happened, but you know, somebody gets kicked out and then problem solved, and it definitely still is an issue. But um, I, I feel like I'm seeing a little bit less of it, especially as as hardcore becomes more accessible. I think that there's a lot less egos involved in it. Which I mean, I love hardcore. I'm not like talking shit on it, but. Right. I think that, you know, the more the more that there is just like people going to shows and enjoying it, the less of like this like um, you know, cool guy attitude. The elitist type comes of along. Thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, you're not it's like cool, great. There's not fifteen people at the show. Like there's actually like hundred and fifty people at that show. That's awesome. We want that. You know, we don't want right. it to be this overly exclusive thing. Like as long as everyone is there for the right reasons, then, you know, then it should be that accessible. Yeah, you're right. And uh, I don't think you're, you know, talking down on the genre or the scene or the people or whatever. I mean, it's something I, I debate on here all the time, not necessarily debate, but bitch about complain about that. Uh, just the people in hardcore. I love hardcore, right? That is my thing, but it's not the most friendly, you know, it just has the bad reputation for, involving other people for being willing mm-hmm. to for being humble you know it's always there's always a, this posturing badassery shit that's not real usually um and so anyway i'm glad to hear that's receding a little bit maybe um I think right, so. good good so uh you guys as i mentioned are gonna go out on tour but not you're on the tour right now but you're eventually you're gonna go out and tour in the spring 2024 in august mm-hmm. You've been there plenty of times now. Uh, like you said, you just mentioned you're playing download. Is the biggest difference between playing shows in Europe or internationally and domestically? Um, we have so much more experience touring here that people are much more aware of who we are here. And we've actually, we've only done two tours overseas. So it is like being a fresh young band again, as opposed to a band that, you know, has done eight, sheesh, how many, eight or nine full U.S. tours since uh, the pandemic happened. So um, it's, we're still, it's, the band is at a different level there. We're still gaining, you know, a certain level of fans. And, um, but I think that we're, I think that we're starting to like pick it up and um, gain some steam. And once you hit it off in Europe, like, oh man, like, the metal scene there is on a different level, you know, than it is here in the States. Yeah. I, I, I talk to a lot of people well, here that play over there, but a lot of people from over there, a lot of Germans 
it seems like it was a country that loves metal and they just talk about how, how nice it is just to play music over, you know, in Europe and how the government like supports it. And, you know, it's not, yeah. it's not such a outcast thing and venues are good to them. And, you know, so that's, you know, that's where I, I assume it goes eventually. And that's why I know a lot of bands prefer to tour Europe as opposed to the U S yeah, hopefully you I guys mean, are headed that way <laughs> for your sake. I would say the, the thing that's cool about Europe for us, especially is that we don't have to drive. Um, cause as, as, I don't know if you can see behind me, but, um, as you can see behind me, <laughs> we have yes. a, a, a bunk situation. I mean, that's like pretty common, but it's nice because in, um, in Europe, like they have just a really nice infrastructure of like cheap, affordable vans and like buses. Um, and then obviously like none of us know how to drive in Europe. So they always have a driver, which is cool. It's just, it's just a different level of touring that feels nice yeah i bet those it's like those luxuries you talked about at the beginning uh the, mm -hmm. the goal to get them and maybe the europe's the way to do it <laughs> right maybe what's what's ahead for dying wish i know you start the tour a couple of days ago record just came out let's say rest oh, yeah. of the year what's what's the rest of 2023 for dying wish rest of the year i mean we're just getting started i think we have like at least 20 more shows on this so That'll be cool. Shows are selling out. Like I think tonight has like probably 15 tickets left. So that'll be good. Um, so if you haven't bought your ticket already, some of these markets are going fast. So that. Um, and then honestly, once we're done with tour, we're just going to kick it because we, we are going to hit it pretty hard next year. So we're going to enjoy our time off at home and a holiday. Because we, this is the first year we've had a Thanksgiving at home in like three years. So nice, nice. Well, enjoy that. Try to enjoy the Scoot Henderson era of the Trailblazers. I'm trying. It's not starting Time good. Lord. Time Ooh, yeah, Lord's Time out. Lord. I just, you know what? A win is a win. I'll celebrate them once every eight games. So <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, what's funny is uh, just a, a couple weekends ago. I was out back with my friend who's also a Sixers fan like me. And I was talking about, talking about the Trailblazers. I was like, how, why are they supposed to be bad? This is before the season starts, right? I was like, you got, they got like at least an eight man rotation. This is before Time Lord gets hurt, but you had Aiden and Time Lord, two centers, right? You had Brogdon, Sharp, Scoot, uh, Simon, Tyrese, Tyrese, Tybel. uh, uh Jeremy Tybel, who we love, Jeremy Grant. Oh, like, Matisse. why is that, yeah, why is that team bad? Like, you know, why should they be bad? I mean, I guess they're, they're proving it, but uh, yeah. Anyway, I thought they'd be better. I thought they were going to, I thought they were going to be better than what they were supposed to be. You know, I think it's, I can't tell if we're already tanking. <laughs> that's, um, that's a good point. <laughs> uh, it could very well be that. I think that, you know, the goal right now is trying to develop young guys and also lose games so that we get the best possible draft pick. Um, right. Cause it's, we're very much, in our rebuild era now. So, and also who knows if Chauncey actually knows how to coach at this point. Yeah, I, don't I don't know, know if he does. Well, his thoughts is available again, so you can go get him. Yeah, God. Oh, geez. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, well, good right. luck with your Sixers. That's, you know, I've been interested to see how that one plays out. It's going good so far, but they got Boston tomorrow and then it could all come crashing down because Boston always, always, always wins. And, uh, it's yeah. a shitty, it's a shittiest rivalry. Everybody thinks it's a rivalry. It's like, the, no, Boston wins every fucking time. It sucks. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's like the Blazers and the Lakers. Yeah, exactly.
So there you have it. That was my conversation with Emma of Dying Wish. The song you just heard was Lost in the Fall. If you couldn't tell, that was one of the big singles from the record. Is one of the big singles from the record. If you haven't gone to listen to all of Symptoms of Survival out now on Sharp Tone Records, I suggest you do that immediately after listening to this episode of Getting It Out podcast. Thanks to Emma for her time, for her conversation. And thanks to you for listening this far into the podcast. I wonder if there's anybody who's listened to every episode of the podcast. This year, I put out a lot. I think I've hit 90 now. Did I mention before in the previous one that I'm only going to 100 for 2023 and then I'm shutting it down? And we're getting there. 
Although I've definitely slowed down on recording interviews, don't be concerned. There's plenty more to come. I've got a couple in the bag recorded, ready to go. I've got another label episode ready to drop on you. I'm excited about this one. It'll be the official November record label episode. Actually, I'll just tell you what it is right now. It's Trust Records. Have you heard of Trust Records? They're doing all these reissues of cool, classic, hardcore punk records, the latest of which is the SSD. The kids will have their say. LP finally back after like 40 fucking years. Uh, so I'm going to talk to Joe Nelson, the guy who runs that about all those things. You'll see that you'll hear that when it comes a couple other cool things, dipping my toes into that noise rock world. A classic DC hardcore band is going to join me for a conversation as well. We'll get into all that. The time is not yet come, but it will, it will, it will. The time has come for you to listen to another track and we'll get there in a minute, but I want to remind you to go over to gettingitout.net and check out what's going on. Each week I've been doing a column, article, whatever you want to call it, called New Around Here, where I showcase the band pages that I've added to gettingitout.net over the last week. Uh, This past week I had a bunch of cool bands, two of which I've, well, I'm going to and have played on this episode of the podcast, Heavy is the Head, and a track from cosmic jaguar you're going to hear shortly they're from ukraine it's inspired by the article by the learning curve which was a thing that the prp.com used to post on their old website their old blue website that i loved so much back when i was in high school and i used to check there and find new bands to listen to and it was a great source and i love it and i miss it and i wish they still did it there's like a link to the archives for it on their page now but it doesn't go anywhere it doesn't work So, hey, if you're listening, PRP, fix that shit up. I want to go revisit the learning curve and find some old bands like Orange Island, All Parallels, Piston Honda, Minus. Man, what else did you guys have on there? It was endless. It was an endless source where that actually ended. So maybe I can do something here the same on gettingitout.net. And like I said, this track I'm going to play right now is from one of those bands. This one is called The Shorn Ones. It's from Cosmic Jaguar. Jaguar, if you will. Uh, they've got a brand new EP. It's out on, uh, I believe it's self-released, but they are Aztec-themed thrash metal from the Ukraine. The new EP is The Order of the Jaguar Knights from Ca- Cosmic Jaguar. This one is The Shorn Ones. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.